Hello and welcome to the sixth episode in this Livewire series of Kingdom Principles. Today we're going to look at a different kind of problem. And we're going to look at a principle I think is key to our success in the Kingdom of God. It's key to seeing the Kingdom advance in us and through us. The problem I think that Jesus had with the disciples is that they may have just been kind of expecting things to work out because of fate almost a kind of idea that they didn't really have to do that much, that things would just happen around them, that Jesus would become king and they would just go along for the ride. I think when people come on pays, for instance, there are those who grow incidentally and those who grow intentionally. If you grow incidentally, you don't grow very much. What happens is you just allow things around you to sometimes permeate and affect you and you grow a little. Those who grow intentionally are those who grab hold of teaching or grab hold of opportunities and think, what can I do to get the best out of this? So we started off this series thinking about the theme of a knight and uh, based on Ephesians. A knight's fight with what they've been given. God's given us different things, different levels of skills, different levels of ability. I don't, I don't think it's true to say that we're all equal as far as the skills that God has given us. Some people are clearly um, just have more ability than others. Some are, are funnier than others. Some are better looking than others. Some are, are born with better bodies than each other. But we're all born with something and God expects us to use it and to use it well. Uh, and what we're going to look at here is how God, uh, once he gives us stuff, he believes in us and he believes that we can use those things to advance the kingdom of God in us and through us. Now, the great thing about God is he's not like a typical employer. Um, I've got a list here I'm going to go through of employee evaluations. These are things that really were said officially on someone's appraisal. None of them, unfortunately, were written by me. I find them really funny. Depending on your nationality, you'll either find them really sad or really humorous. Let me just read some of them to you. Just remember, these are, are true things that people really did put on someone's um some employees appraisal this young lady has delusions of adequacy since my last report this employee has reached rock bottom and has started to dig his men would follow him anywhere but only out of morbid curiosity <laughs> i would not allow this employee to breed it's a little bit harsh he sets low personal standards and then consistently fails to achieve them. This employee is depriving a village somewhere of an idiot. This employee should go far and the sooner he starts the better. He's a gross ignoramus, 144 times worse than an average ignoramus. This next one is really good. If you stand close enough to him, you can hear the ocean. And my favourite... This employee is so dense, light bends around him. I'm pretty sure that all of those were written by a triangle. If you're familiar with life shapes, you'll know what I mean. Certainly not a circle. Um, but I, I have to be honest, I find them funny. But I know there's a serious side because the words people say to us can be really damaging. And the devil in particular is an accuser. He wants us to look at what we have and he wants us to make certain judgments that will mean we don't use what we've been given. So he's always been a deceiver and he always will be. Let me just read a couple of uh, verses about him. 
In Genesis 3 verse 13, it uses a word to mean deceive or delude. The serpent deceived me. In Revelation 20, a different word is used that means cause to stray, lead astray, lead aside to error. So the devil has always been a deceiver in Genesis and always will be. We hear about that in Revelation. And he uses what I think are three key tactics to stop us using what God has given us. And these are best seen in the parable of the talents or the parable of the miners. In this story, three people are given um, uh, finances or money to use and invest and work with by an employer who leaves and comes back. Uh, two of them do well. Uh, two of them put their work to uh, put their, their gifts to use and reap the benefits. One of them instead hides uh, the, the money he's given. And when the employer comes back, uh, very, very unhappy, really unhappy. And that employer or that leader, if you like, um, represents the father. And if you look at this passage, I'm not reading it because we don't have time in this live wire. When you look at this passage, there are three misconceptions that the, the foolish man uh, thinks to himself or is, mis, uh, um, is led astray by. Let me just go through these three really quickly. As you think, have I been affected by any of these? The first one is a misconception of who God is. Because the devil introduced a fear of failure. The man says in the story, I knew you were a hard man, so I was afraid. Fear is like a magnet. You know, faith activates God. If you have faith, if you have courage to believe something God said and really take a step of faith based on what God said, it attracts God. You know, God often can deal with our flaws and our mistakes, but he's looking for people who will be bold and act on what he says can be done. The enemy, what he's looking for is people who are afraid and then he works on that fear. He's looking for our fears and then he, he develops them. So one of the misconceptions here was who God is. Sometimes we don't use what God has given us because we think God is there looking to punish us when we mess up. In actual fact, he's looking to reward us when we do well. Secondly, there's a misconception of what God has actually given us. One of the problems is we look at what we've got and because people have been given different amounts and different gifts and different abilities, we can sometimes compare that to someone else and, and think poorly of ourselves. You know, this story, of course, never happened. Jesus told the story, but the actual story never happened. It's a figment of Jesus' imagination. But if it was, I can imagine this third man, he kind of sees the first guy gets 10 talents and then the next guy only gets five. And he probably thinks to himself, maybe, <laughs> you know, the employer, uh, the, the, the boss doesn't believe in this second guy very much. But then when he gets even less, maybe he, he looks at that. And because he compares it to what the first guy and the second guy got, he thinks little of what he actually received. When you look at the context of this passage, you realize something quite interesting about the, the talent, the one talent this man was given. You see, a miner was worth three months' wages and one talent was worth 60 miners. So in other words, one talent was worth 15 years' wages. You don't really get that impression from this guy who gets one talent, but he's given 15 years' wages 
to use. Here's one of the problems, something we must always remember. The only person we should compare ourselves to is Jesus. And the only person you should compete with is yourself. The third misconception. The third misconception is of whose talent it was. The talent was given to the servant, but whose talent was it? Well, verse 14 says he entrusted his talent. When God gives us abilities, when we make Jesus Lord of our lives, then whatever he gives us remains his. It's not ours just to use however we want. We've made a promise when we become Christians that everything that God's given us, we will use as best we can intentionally for the kingdom of God. So let's look at our first workshop. After you watch one of my favorite videos on YouTube, the Iraqi subtitle video, please discuss a time you were not seen as worthy or not taken seriously. Then discuss which of the three misconceptions the enemy has used most in your life to stop you appreciating what God has given you and stop you using it for him. So watch the video and then please discuss those two questions. Once a stronghold of forces loyal to captured dictator Saddam Hussein, the city of Tikrit here in northern Iraq is now firmly under the control of American forces. Or is it? These members of the Iraqi resistance movement, still loyal to Saddam Hussein, think otherwise. The Americans tell lies. Each day our forces grow stronger. Each day we move closer to our goal of driving the infidel... What are they? Nothing. Carry on. Uh, driving the infidels from our motherland. Uh, we are not afraid to... Are they subtitles? <laughs> they, they are, aren't they? No. Well, what do I need subtitles for? Can't you understand what I'm saying? I studied English at the bloody American University in Cairo. Well, obviously, I can understand what you're saying. Oh, but you, you see how they condescend to us with their subtitles. Oh, maybe it's a teletext, you know, for the hearing impaired. Oh, teletext? No, a lot of TVs come with teletext nowadays. Uh, wait, wait, say something again. My friend has an 80 Hey, how come he doesn't need subtitles? Well, obviously, he's comprehensible. No, and I'm not! Look, if you... I speak perfect English. She sells seashells by the seashore. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Round the ragged blocks, the rag... Oh! The situation remains as dangerous and volatile as ever here in northern Iraq. While the rebuilding continues... What? what? I can't understand you speak English! But where is your subtitles now? Oh, you think you're so good? Look at me! Kerry Downs, Iraq. Shut up! So let's look at the Kingdom Principle. Uh, the Kingdom Principle is exciting to me because I don't consider that I was born with a lot of natural gift or ability. But this Kingdom Principle has been really important to me because I believe in it so much. It goes like this. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. For unto everyone that hath shall be given and he shall have an abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even what which he hath. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance but from those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken 
away. God does not use a carrot on a stick. He doesn't make false promises to us. He doesn't say, just use this and, and you might see some success. He doesn't just paint a picture of something that can never really happen to us. Um, God gives us dreams and visions that are really attainable. You really can grab hold of them, but you can only do that. And this was the message Jesus was giving to his disciples. You can only do that when you play your part, when you get involved, when you use what God has given you. So when we think about the line and the cloud, as we put it up on the screen, if you remember, when we looked at reaping, we talked about time, that people wouldn't do anything until they realized they would get a quick response. But in this kingdom principle of using, it's more about effort and less about time. It's more about, will the reward be equal to the effort I put in? So these are the questions that line dwellers ask. What great thing, God, can you give me to do now? What great thing can you give me that is worth me doing it great? And what great thing can you give me that will make me be seen as great? I wonder if you ever ask those kind of questions of God or yourself. But these are the kind of questions that God would ask of cloud dwellers. These are the questions that cloud dwellers take on board and think about. Will you give me the little you think you have? Will you see the greatness in me that can make your little go a very long way? Will you risk the little you have on those who may have even less? Cloud dwellers, those pursuing the kingdom of God, do not throw away the water they have because they see a mirage. They don't ignore the things that God has given them and wait for God to give them something more because it's never going to happen. They use the opportunity they've got now. They use the the opportunity to serve like they have now, believing that as they use that, God will give them an even greater opportunity. They don't wait for a greater opportunity to come along, a greater status, a greater position, because it probably is not going to go, it's just not going to happen. But as we use what God has given us, he gives us more. And when we don't use what God has given us, he takes even that away. I can think of people who've been given great situations, great opportunities, and they've not done some of the things they needed to do. And then what I've noticed personally is that they've lost that opportunity and they've ended up in a, in a situation where the only things they can do, the only things they're able to do, the only things they have opportunity to do are the things they don't really like doing. So use what God has given you. Okay, with these things in mind, let's look at um, our next workshop. Please take a look at the three resumes of Elijah, then Elisha, and Gehazi. Note how different they are, how different Elisha and Elijah's are to Gehazi's, but they were all in the same situation. They served a prophet, uh, or they served God, and because of what they did, their reward, or in one case, their punishment came. Then take a look at the two stories of Gehazi. The first you'll find in 2 Kings chapter 5, and the second in 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. Then discuss what do you see in Gehazi's character that led him to trust in the incidental rather than the intentional. So you need to do a little bit of a Bible study here. First, take a quick 
uh, look at the three resumes, you're going to notice a big difference there in Gehazi's to the other two. Then look at those two passages in, in Scripture and answer that simple question. Now we're going to look at the promise that comes with this wonderful principle. So the kingdom of God promises a world of possibilities as opposed to our world that we live in, which restricts us depending on many different things. Let me just give you a quick list. Class, race, age, ethnicity, gender, network, personality. However, God does not limit us with these things. Uh, none of those make a difference. God can use all of us in many different ways. The only thing he's interested in is our character. Listen to a list of his heroes. Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. Solomon was too rich. David was too young. Jeremiah was suicidal. Gideon doubted. Samson had long hair. Noah was ridiculed. And Lazarus was dead. So this promise of Jesus of endless possibilities sets um, Christianity really apart from any other religion because uh, our God does not have favourites. So our future does not depend on whether we're one of his favourites. Uh, our God does not believe in fate or fortune, but faithfulness. As we are faithful, no matter what our background or situation, God will give us more of what he's already given us. He will use us to a greater extent. He will bless us uh, in different ways. So how does that actually work? How does God create a better future for us based on our choices? Because God's sovereign, um, and yet we seem to have choices, this kind of weird mixture of things. So I want to explain uh, how I see that based on what I understand from the word of God. And I think this will really help you because it seems to help a lot of people. So I'm going to read from uh, my book on the kingdom principles and show you a, a picture to help you get your mind around this. Let's just start. The Bible does not teach us to trust in luck or fortune. It does, however, mention the providence of God. 13 times in its pages, the expression providence means to know in advance. Let me explain. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now the original root word for plans in that passage is an artistic term that has something to do with weaving. It can also be interpreted as meticulous, not left to chance. So imagine a tapestry. What you can see now is the Bayo tapestry. It's 230 foot long, probably from around 1070 AD. It tells a story, a famous British battle. On one side, the picture is clearly seen, but on the other, it is a confusing mishmash of colors, shapes, and loose threads. Most of these threads can represent our choices. Some are good and some are not so good. The remaining strands symbolize the things that have been done to us. God takes these threads and weaves together the greatest tapestry, the greatest story he can from the choices that we give him to use. Or as the writer of Romans puts it, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
On our side of the tapestry, we struggle to see the outline, but on God's side, he's weaving the complete story for all to see. So it's all about partnership, and the benefit we have is that our partner is somewhat of a creative genius. He can take your choices and weave an incredible story. The better choices you give him, the better story he can weave. So let's look at our final workshop. Think about the last season of opportunity God gave you and make a list of the threads or choices that you gave him to work with in that season. And then separate them. Which ones were the choices you made that were intentional, where you really use what God had given you? And which ones were the choices you made that relied on incidents? In other words, the choices that were just made because things happened around you. What do you believe God will do with those choices? So essentially, um, which choices in that time did you make because you really grasped hold of the teaching or because of God's word or you saw God in the opportunity and you really made something of it? And what were just choices you made just because of circumstances, things just kind of happened around you, you just went with the flow? And what do you think God will do with those different types of choices? Please discuss that, discuss what you uh, heard from the book that I read out. And uh, next time we'll look at our final kingdom principle. Thanks for listening and goodbye.